Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. My good friend, Michael Tobe, columnist for Troy Media and Looney Politics, contributor to the National Post and the Washington Times, who was a speechwriter for former Prime Minister Stephen Harper, is with us now. Michael joins us bi-weekly. And uh, I was reading your column. Uh, good to have you with us, Michael. I was reading your, you, your column in the National Post, and I love the term non-coalition coalition. <laughs> it's wonderful. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, well, no, thank you. I appreciate that. Look, there's so many things you could have called it, but I think, in effect, it really is a non-coalition coalition. It's not traditional in the sense that, and again, we're talking about the Liberal NDP working agreement that runs until June of 2025. It's not traditional in the sense that Mr. Jagmeet Singh, the leader of the NDP, is not in the cabinet or is sitting at the cabinet table, and ne- neither are any other NDP MPs. That's typically what happens when you have a proper coalition. However, in reality, the, the reason why I call it a non-coalition coalition because it's operating like a coalition every, in every other capacity other than that. And I'm sure you've gone through it on your show, and we don't have to go through the whole rigmarole, but as we know, the Liberals and the NDP have agreed to a working agreement which will operate for the next three years. And they've identified a bunch of policy areas, as they call key policy areas, where they're going to work together. This includes like a national dental care program for low-income Canadians, uh, Canada Pharmacare Act, affordable housing, fairer tax system, uh, 10, day, 10 days of paid sick leave, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Now, the big thing, and the reason why I wrote about it, is we don't know exactly what the final tab is going to be for all these wondrous agreements that the Liberals and the NDP are going to be working on in the guise of Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and his Liberal government obviously taking the vast majority, if not all, of the credit for anything that goes through that is successful with or resonates with the Canadian public. But we know that it's going to be very lavish and extremely expensive. If we just, for example, look at the NDP plan for national dental care, <clears throat> which Mr. Singh and the NDP ran on both in 2019 and 2021, the parliamentary budget officer uh, estimated in an October 2020 report that the proposed NDP plan would cost $1.4 billion Canadian during the 2020 to 21 fiscal year, had they been elected. It would then have escalated to $4.6 billion in 2021-22, and that was simply because more Canadians would have been shifted into an existing program and then would have averaged $1.7 billion between the years 2022-23 and 2024-25. That's billions of dollars just for one program. We know that pharmacare, affordable housing, whatever a fairer tax system you know, envelops, which is mostly targeted towards businesses, but will obviously enjoy and increase and include individuals, plus reducing emissions at a faster pace in this country by 2030, when you put it all together, this is really an example to me of big government changing into massive government. And as the title of my piece said, it's basically a change from state intervention or state regulation into what I sort of call state overlordship, which sadly is what's become. Term. 
It, it, it's a great term, and it's very true. And both those parties saw themselves in trouble with the electorate if there was going to be another election in the next 18 to 24 months. So they did what they could, and that's right. create this um, this relationship for and, and sign it uh, for the next three years. Now, uh, before we get to some other issues, and you and I always talk sports, is this an opportunity, do you think, and you know the Conservative Party better the most, is this an opportunity for the Conservative leadership, whoever the leader becomes, to take advantage, or are they going to be stymied by the Trudeau-Singh coalition? Yeah, very briefly, and I am going to be writing about it, but it, it's not a surprise. Many conservatives are going to look at it. The answer is yes, it is an opportunity. I mean, in, in fairness, if you look at it in the short term, obviously the liberals and the NDP are going to be running government. They'll get most of the media attention, and the more of the focus or most of the focus will be on them, and that's understandable. It's harder for an opposition party like the conservatives to get as much media attention when it's a, a, a government that is a minority government, but it's operating like a majority. It's much easier when it's just a pure minority and one that's been as shaky as Justin Trudeau and the Liberals have run the past couple of years. However, it's a big opportunity. And if a lot of conservatives, including the current frontrunner, Pierre Polyevre, or Jean Charest, Patrick Brown, Leslie Lewis, or whomever, if they take advantage of it and sort of figure out a strategy, which I think is actually pretty easy and pretty clear to figure out, which is Stephen Harper's incremental conservatism, which he used successfully to win three straight elections in, if they can employ those tactics, it could be very, very successful in three years' time. But the key is they have to shift in that direction as quickly as possible once the leadership race is over in September. I've learned something about media. Make it interesting to, to media, then you'll get coverage. Right. But if you send out tweets that are, we're here for you, who cares? It's okay, true. let's I talk. Agree. Let's talk some sports here. Sure. And uh, before I do my uh, thirty seconds worth here, you have a very interesting story about a Cuban baseball player we all should have heard of, but most of us haven't. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. It, it was an older piece that I've seen, although I have read about him in a couple books I have, which specifically deal with Latin American baseball and the Negro Leagues and other things. Uh, there's a larger book also in his life, which I don't have, and apparently it's quite good. His name was Martin Vigio. Now, Martin Vigio, I guess is the way to properly pronounce it, he was a star in Cuba in the era of the Negro Leagues and the Latin American Leagues. So he played in the 40s and the 50s. Martin Vigio has probably been forgotten by a lot of people, unless you're really a hardcore baseball fan. But Mr. Vigio is actually in Cooperstown. He's in the Baseball Hall of Fame. And he's often regarded by many people as one of the greatest baseball players who ever lived. And that's an article that Bijan Bain wrote, which I just happened to come across by fluke in April of 2020 for a publication called, a online publication called Anscape. And what they very briefly do is they sort of go through the fact that, you know, Mr. Digio was one of the greatest, if not the greatest, two way baseball player who ever lived, which means that he was powerful in both offense and defense. He's enshrined in five National Baseball Hall of Fames. No one even comes close in that level. He could play every single position on the field, Roy, and played it brilliantly. That's what was kind of astonishing. And he started off as a person who seemed to have talent but not great talent, and he grew into it, much like other great players that we do know and are familiar with, like Babe Ruth did. So if you can actually find this piece, which is called The Immortal Martin Digio May Have been the best baseball player ever on a publication called Anscape. Take a look at it, especially if you enjoy baseball. I have 20 seconds here. There's a couple of things I want to mention. Team Canada, Qatar, World Cup, tremendous achievement. 
Yeah. And, and I have a feeling they're going to score a goal. They didn't last time, and I think they're going to win maybe more than one game. Also, for anybody who's ever helicoptered a golf club, Thursday, the Masters starts. Um, Mike Rear will be playing in a 2003 Masters Championship in the playoff with five seconds here. Do you remember who it was? Uh, no. Len Matisse. Len Matisse. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Thank you. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.